Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Young Alabama. We have had an interesting, well, not so interesting, election day last night. Uh, the results were coming in. I was in Gunnersville at the Ainsworth camp. Collier was in Birmingham. And Michael was out of state for work. So we all have a kind of a different perspective rolling in. Michael, what um, what are your first thoughts about election day? Well, if we're focusing just on Alabama, the Republicans, uh, well, they're 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 doing good. Uh, Alabama is becoming more Republican, at least in the government. What did you think, Collier? You know, I first of all want to say thank you to everyone who turned out. It was incredible seeing the amount of people that went to the polls. I mean, I had to stand in a line that I've never seen at the Birmingham Botanical Gardens. And um, it was really incredible. I saw people of all ages, um, all different backgrounds. And and it was great to see so many people at the polls showing up, engaged in government. And um, sure enough, Governor Kay Ivey actually received more than one million votes, which is absolutely incredible and became the first female governor that's Republican in our state's history. And I, I just can't tell y'all how incredible that was to be able to watch and for the first time in my life be able to know this is possible for a conservative woman to do in our state. And, and that was my biggest takeaway of the night. Um, it was really incredible to see. We also saw a lot of interesting turnout um, down the ballot. The Republicans pretty much swept the congressional seats. Um, even Mallory Hagan, the Miss America um, Democratic candidate going against Mike Rogers. I mean, she did not perform as well as anticipated. And I thought that she by far had the best Democratic campaign that I had seen. I mean, better than Waltz. Um, Let's talk about that one for a second. I was um, I was hearing some things, you know, Joe Lovern's down there, Tom Watley's down there about how that that race might affect the House and the Senate seats from Auburn. Um, and that those those I mean, the Republican side didn't blink on those. I mean, Tom won, Lovern won it with no trouble. And so that I was kind of anticipating maybe Lovern having a dip in numbers because of Hagan's campaign with all the young people getting active with voting for her in a Democrat way. but. Maybe, maybe there's, I don't know, maybe, maybe the blue wave was stopped there. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I, I thought there'd be a, a tougher battle for those guys because of that campaign um, running up against Mike Rogers, but I might be wrong. I did too. So to m- you know, it, one, one but, thing that we have to mention is that the Democratic Party really, really let all of their candidates down. I mean, they have no organization. That was that was pretty incredible to see such a significant beating. So I mean, well, I was going to say like I I I would attribute a lot of the uh, the Republican success to the fact that two thirds of voters were straight ticket voters. So if you hold on right. to the assumption that we've seen from every presidential election in the last twenty years that Alabama is essentially two thirds Republican, at least by voters, then that would that held in this election that uh 
but like y'all said for uh the hagan race um the governor's race uh, the bob vance race the democrats uh, the democratic party of alabama did not help them at all right they were completely dysfunctional um you like senator jones is having to do all of all of this that the party should be doing on his own um and he does not have the experience or support that is needed for all for these more localized and specific statewide votes um in the past three years since the last state election are there we got rid of the governor the republican governor the republican speaker of the house the republican chief justice uh, in a way twice um multiple republicans were indicted or convicted of ethics crimes or or other uh issues yet the democrats didn't have any way of capitalizing on that or creating a cohesive platform that other than maybe the lottery i guess so i mean it's no wonder that they that they didn't win but even more than that there was so many seats that were unopposed or were given very little to work with aside from chief justice where you know kudos to bob vance who ran a great campaign but other than that every other justice was unopposed republican right why can't why didn't democrats have anyone there just to be on the ballot yeah and and but i but i do have to say this this candidate that i'm about to mention who i've been very tough on this entire race um this candidate regardless of who his opponent was there was no way any campaign was going to outwork them. And that is Will Ainsworth's campaign. And I, yes, I attribute that to the way that he brilliantly trusted and engaged young people to carry his campaign from the moment it started with a little group me to the very end. I mean, they got, they received more votes than governor Ivy as an Mm -hmm. elder. I can tell you from from being up in Gunnersville during election night last night at the Ainsworth watch party, the room was electric with activity. Everybody was excited. Everybody in Marshall County is pumped about the statewide offices held by people from this county here. Uh, And I think it's very exciting for Will right now. I mean, you've got to think. Two years ago, he was a House member from Sand Mountain, and now he's a lieutenant governor of Alabama. And that doesn't happen that often. And I'm, I'm very proud of that campaign. I'm, I'm proud um, of Lewis McDonald. Give him a shout out. He was campaign manager from the very start and worked his tail off. Um, Lewis is now uh, in a very very uh, executive position at a company in Birmingham and I'm very proud of where he's landed and what he's doing now and so you know it's it's really exciting to watch people work hard and it pay off um, especially in this realm where so many times the the folks you know your home team guys don't always make it or your home team gals don't always make it to where you want them to be and and this time and this time we, we we won one for the home team so I was really proud of the Ainsworth campaign, the way they carried themselves post uh, post runoff has been really impressive to me. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm I'm really excited for Will. The, the the coolest thing about about that fact the the most votes garnered last 
night yesterday were garnered for Will Ainsworth. And to me, that shows to me he has a lot of potential um, for other things in the future. And I'm excited to see what that's going to be. I don't know what that's going to be yet. And uh, I think I think the Doug Joneses of the world, you know, other other folks need to take notice of what's going on in Marshall County in the state of Alabama. I mean, last night was a was a wake up call to these folks that they think the blue wave is coming to Alabama. It it didn't last night at all. Maybe a little bit of splash, maybe a maybe a droplet of it in Jefferson County. Can you tell us more about that? Jefferson County to me shows like kind of like going off what I was saying earlier about the Democratic Party. For a lot of these these longtime Democratic incumbents from Jefferson County, the Republicans didn't even have um, opposition for them. It's kind of just like accepted to a certain degree that there's going to be a that those are going to be a lost cause. There's obviously no opposition to Terry Sewell and the the seventh congressional district. Um, but then we're running we're we're working off campaign tactics that have that seem to have worked in years past for major elections but they don't necessarily apply to local elections the same way. Um, and especially in areas like Jefferson County or Montgomery County, Lee County, um, Mobile or Madison County. Right. Um, because, uh, these are, this is a different kind of voter. These aren't people who are necessarily responding to just one issue. And you, I mean, you see that play out where it, it's not as simple as just saying, focusing on one issue. You, you got to be deeper than that. That was even that was even illustrated. I was I was crunching numbers at Ainsworth's event. I was the guy on the computer. It happened sometimes, and I was going back and forth on the county numbers. Madison County, it it was handedly wills, and it was tracking you know fifty six, fifty seven, fifty eight, sixty right in there. Whereas Coleman, Marshall, DeKalb, all of those counties are tracking high 70s, some high 80s right. for Will Ainsworth. And so you've got to realize that, yes, we're still winning in those places, but it's by a slimmer margin. And it, it's almost as if we could get ahead of that uh, and, 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 and figure out a new strategy for those areas. In the long run, we'd be better off instead of doubling down on everything. Um, but then again, at, at, as it turned out, I mean, he still won 60-40 in those counties, and that's a, that's, that's a, that's a win anybody would want. So, you know, Absolutely, it, it, but no one, no, one bothers with, no one bothers with doing anything until, until you start losing. But don't forget that in two years, there's going to be a census. We're going to have to redraw district lines. We're going to have to get rid of a congressional seat. Suddenly, areas that might be uh, gerrymandered to the point of being very favorable for a certain party or a certain demographic, they're going to change, even if a little bit. That can have a big effect very quickly, um, and especially congressionally, where by getting rid of one of our congressional seats, we're going to force competitiveness. Um, whereas right now, we have the Democratic seat and then the six Republican seats. Um, so we're, we need to go ahead and start talking about like these these new kind of strategies, these forward thinking, um, like what what happens in 20 years. We need to start talking about those platforms now, 
before it's too late, before you, you start, you either make it for the Democrats case where it's impossible to win anything or in the Republicans case where suddenly you've given up all power, you know? Well, I'll, I'll say this about that. You know, we, we run Twitter polls and they're not scientific at all. And some of them track along with what's going to happen. And some of them are totally off. But they, to me, they represent, you know, the folks who are engaged in our Twitter, the folks, the, the younger crowd, the younger politicos in Alabama um, who vote on those Twitter polls, that, that to me gives me some kind of feedback on what they think about candidates. Not necessarily who's going to win, but what that group of people think. And on those polls, correct me if I'm wrong, all the Republican statewide candidates were tracking 60 or above, except for Tom Parker, who's now the Chief Justice, was 90-10 against Bob Vance. And so not necessarily a knock on Tom, but what I'm thinking is there is a disconnect between that type of candidate and then, on the other hand, someone like Will Ainsworth, who won that poll by a wider margin than than the rest of them and and really got more votes like we said before got more votes than anyone in the state last night so you know what candidates are we looking at when we're picking our when we're picking on our primary ballot are we going to go with a more will ainsworth type candidate uh marco rubio candidate a donald trump candidate or somebody like tom parker uh you know and I dare not speak his name, but the former Justice Roy Moore, that's the perfect example of a bad candidate. Uh, and I mean, I, can, I think we can attri- all attribute that Democrat Senate win to a bad candidate on, on the Republican side. I mean, that that's why it happened. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all in how we pick our candidates. And, and those primary ballot decisions are way more important than the general election, I think, because that's when we define who we are. That's when we say, okay, everybody, this is who we want to put up. And and that decision is going to be more important, especially in a state where the Republicans have so much control and the Democrats are so inept at having any type of infrastructure to win elections. Right. And with that control, though, comes a huge responsibility. Um, because we do have the supermajority as Republicans, there's really no need to continue using fear tactics or negativity to make people um, think that they should vote a certain way. Let's talk about our ideas in our campaign ads. I think that is just so critical. Let's talk about what we're for. Let's win graciously. Let's use rhetoric that unites our state, unites our country. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I get like people want to be, you know, politically incorrect or whatever, but we're Alabamians and we know that manners matter. And I just think that that's going to be really important going on into the future. Um, we haven't really talked about the amendments at all, the constitutional amendments, but Amendment 2, which essentially was just a resolution saying how Alabama is a pro-life uh, state, that we are that we value the sanctity of life completely. To me, a lot of people are were thinking of that as the abortion amendment, 
but I think we need to think about it as the pro-life, the sanctity of life amendment. And now that it has passed, that means that it should be a constitutional priority for our state government to work tirelessly toward lowering our ridiculously high, uh, highest in the country, infant mortality rate, to provide better education options and better financial options for education for, for families, and to figure out how to help the 22% of Alabama families that have children that are dealing with food insecurity. That's one in five, almost one in four families with children in Alabama are not confident that they're going to be able to feed their children every night. And that, that, that is the kind of thing that we're going to now be a, const, a constitutionally resoluted, declared uh, pro-life state. We, we have to start addressing those issues. Those are not liberal issues. Those are people issues. Amen. And the, the Republican Party can do that in a way that is still conservative, but is also compassionate. Right. I mean, we talk about being pro-education. You know, you can throw you can throw all the money you want at textbooks, nice schools, teacher salaries, whatever. If a kid doesn't know if he's going to eat that night, he's got not going to be focused on math in class. It's just not going to happen. So and how do we solve these issues? And, and further, 50 percent of Alabama children are covered on Medicaid. Fifty percent. So we claim to be, you know, we're claiming to be this conservative state, yet we receive more federal funding than any other state in the country. So how how are we going to address these issues? I don't know, but it is going to take. It is going to take us being willing to have some difficult conversations and to listen first. And we can do that. We've done it with our with our prison reform and sentencing reform for sure uh, we can make we can do these things and and i am i am hopeful and excited for the for the possibility that this new legislature will think about these things that they will focus on on these issues and because these are the things that will affect the next generations not just one generation but multiple um the the worse off children are now the worse off they'll be as adults so we, we, we can help them and we can do it in a way that is not, you know, socialist, but, but we have to well, have those conversations. I'll, like you said, Collier, that's going to be hard. Well, I'll say this. Yeah. And if you look at the history of those issues, who has really owned the conversation on, on Medicaid, on um, child support, on all these, all these issues that affect Alabama a great deal. The, the Democrats have owned those conversations. Yep. It's time for the Republicans to, to crunch the numbers, figure out fisc what's fiscally responsible and figure out what we can do to take care of our people. And at the same time, make it a good investment for the taxpayers in our state. And, right. and I think that's something that Republicans can do. And I think we have mm -hmm. a great opportunity to do that, especially with the power shifting even further in our direction. We have to own these issues because if we don't, they will. And th they'll have a foothold again. So I think, and I we think know what, that they will. Yeah, like like you said, David, like this, they they control they 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 have a monopoly over these issues. Senator Jones's whole kitchen table issues thing. There's no reason that Republicans can't also handle that. Like you said, and especially with the soup with the increasingly super majorities that they have in the um, 
in the House and in the Senate, and then the complete control over the uh, su uh, Supreme Court, the judicial system, and the executive branch, it should be anything they want to get done should be within the realm of possibility. There should be no limits on it. So they need to stop limiting themselves to these hot button little little firecracker issues and start talking about these kitchen table issues. Right. Like you say, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. Well, I have a lot of faith in this next group of legislators too. I mean, you're talking about around 30 new, new faces in the house. And I think that that's a really, I don't think we've had that many since 2010 and, you know, say what you will about that, that class that came in with Mike Hubbard, but they got a lot done that first session. They, they came in and, and blazed the trail. And I think we're going to see that type of fire and that type of energy uh, here in 2019. And I'm excited for it. So moving on, there was another big thing that happened today. Jeff Sessions, who wants to start? Okay, so I think it's all orchestrated. I really do. I think I think Trump and Jeff are on the same page, and I think Jeff is going to run for Senate. Um, and I know that's probably what everybody's thinking, everybody else is thinking too, but you've got to think about this. I don't know this for sure, but I think if he gets his seat back, he keeps his seniority. Is that accurate, or am I wrong on that? Has it ever happened, or at least recently? I don't know. See, I think I think he probably wouldn't run unless he did. I mean, that that would be a really good um, bargaining chip if he ran. I don't know that for sure. Um, somebody listening, if you know the answer to that, tweet it at us because I'd love to know if that if that's the case. Um, but I think I think it's it, he was in Auburn at a football game. I saw a picture of him uh, down there a few weeks ago, and I was like, what is he doing? What? Why is he at the football game? And and you've got to you got to kind of see it in the tea leaves. I mean, after after midterms is a good time to resign. And Doug Jones, after saying no to Kavanaugh so adamantly and so um, you know demonstratively, he he has signed his warrant to vacate his seat. I think um, with that and so. All that playing together, I think Jeff could walk in and sit back in his seat in the Senate pretty handedly and pretty easily. I mean, we'll see who sticks in that race if he does decide to run. But I think it's going to be a very interesting, less interesting than the last special Senate election. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be fun. And I don't think we're going to have 12 Republicans running for it. So that's a good thing. So that's, those are my thoughts. See, see, I feel like um, sessions three years ago, like everything you're saying would make perfect sense. It would be an absolutely. I think he has lost favor with a lot of Republican voters, especially primary voters. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's deserved at all. But from a lot of people I have talked to, they are have not been happy with him, and that has been communicated to me by a lot of um, local count, or county Republican Party uh, leaders, from the chairwoman herself of the Alabama State Republican Party, um, that people are not uh, in, necessarily in favor of Jeff Sessions. That's the reason 
the Alabama, the, the congressional delegation, the, the party, they haven't been supportive of Sessions when these reports of Trump calling him, uh, saying how he has marbles, in, he sounds like he has marbles in his mouth, or making fun of him being from the University, University of Alabama, or all of these nasty tweets that the president did about him. You, you didn't hear anything from uh, the, the overall party. You didn't hear anything from uh, a lot of more local people. I mean, I've only seen one uh, story talking about regular humdrum people in Alabama supporting him, and that's just his friends down in Mobile. So I, I feel like when he's when he's now he's out. I just I think I think he he's done. If he does run, I, I would love for him to run. If he can keep his seniority, that would be awesome. I don't know how the other members of the, of the Judiciary Committee would feel about that, but I, I think that bridges have been burned, and whether they should have been or not, it, it's happened. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I do not buy into the fact that this is all some sort of collusion between Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump. I mean, other facts and behaviors have said everything otherwise. Um, and, and I'm just I'm just a little bit actually not a little bit. I'm very concerned about our party completely turning our back on this man when he did nothing but follow the president's agenda. He legitimized his campaign and has only tried to make this entire Russia investigation an ethical process. He's trying to follow the rule of law. He's trying to do the right thing. And I I don't understand if we're, if we claim to be a party that supports law enforcement, trust our justice system and believe that walking with integrity and choosing that over political convenience is more important, then we need to really relook at ourselves and what is going on because this is just, I I just don't, I don't understand how anyone could look at this and say that this is okay. And for these people that are all of a sudden turning their backs on Jeff Sessions, I'm simply confused on what you want out of a Republican attorney general. Do you want somebody that's going to be a mouthpiece for the president? Because we saw in our state what happens when that happens. And it wasn't cute. It wasn't good. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that Donald Trump is guilty, but I am saying that if he is innocent, there is no reason for him to be making these decisions. So, I mean, so am I wrong? I, <laughs> I uh, David was David was dead on earlier when he said you need to pay attention to the primaries because it defines who you are. And right now, if, I'm, I'm genuinely asking both of y'all if you were to ask or if you were asked what does it mean to be a Republican? Um, if if you were going to list basic platform things, are they different now than they were three years ago? Or are they the same in the state as they were three years ago? I mean, we like we don't talk about it enough, but Alabama has uh, changed very quickly, transitioned from being a, a Democratic state into a Republican state. And you're seeing the last holdout for that of the conservative Democrats 
being pushed out like a lane beach down in uh and down in Chatham. Um and, you know, and a pretty Ford, conservative Craig Ford got framed. Craig Yeah, Ford got I mean, he was running as an independent. Like bad. He was because he wasn't he wasn't even uh, like accepted for as a Democrat anymore. He was he was too conservative. And yeah, like you said, he he had thirty percent. You know, I mean what does it what does the party even mean anymore? Um besides just well, I think, I think that's kind of something a player. That- it's asked, it's asked a lot. I mean, I remember, I can remember being at a, at a young Republican meeting in 2015 and a candidate was up and we were in the midst of primaries. Well, no, that would have been earlier. Um, might not have been 2014. Um, we're, no, it's 2015. Anyway, whenever <laughs> it was, I remember people asking, okay, person in front of us lobbying to be our person on the ballot, the Republican candidate for this seat, what does being conservative mean to you? That question was asked a few times to several different people. And you know what? It's it's kind of one of those things where, you know, we all have certain principles that come to mind when we say conservative or liberal or Democrat or Republican. But really and truly, um, that is defined every four years when we pick a presidential candidate, when we pick our gubernatorial candidates, when we pick our Senate candidates. Those decisions define what the party will do for the next four years. And it might totally change. It might stay the same. I don't think we've changed all that much. I view Trump as a very um, charismatic and can, he, he can get in a room and just capture the room. I've been in a room where he is and I've seen it happen. It's kind of scary. It's phenomenal. It's tremendous. It's all those hyperbolic words he uses. Um, it, it, it truly is something to behold and watch. Um, and it's intimidating. And I think he might be the horse we ride on to success. I mean, right now in Alabama, things are pretty good. The housing market's great. Housing market in North Alabama is great. Jefferson County, it's great. I mean, things like that kind of keep people engaged and saying, hey, you know what? I'm doing really well in my small business right now. And the chaos on Twitter, I don't really look at that much. And even though it it is concerning, it's not a priority for a lot of our voters because we're not looking at that. We're looking at what's happening uh, at, at work and what's happening in our pocketbook and in our bank account. And and that might be that might be that might be not palatable and not not something that that needs to change. It might we might need to readdress where our priorities are. But that's where we are right now. I think I don't see people just you know completely agreeing. Um, and and I see that in the numbers that we saw last night on a national scale. Um, you had seven more Democratic governors get elected last night, um, narrowing the gap there. You had, um, yes, you had the Republican Senate gain too. um, But again, I mean, the House now, the Democrats are in control with 223 Democrats, 196 Republicans. They gained 28 seats last night. There wasn't necessarily a wave. There was not a red wave. There was not a blue wave. our country is, to me, on a national scale, pretty pretty half and half. This will be really interesting to see how all of this plays out, especially um, with Sessions 
now being fired and, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Mueller investigation. But um, I, so I, I, I would be, I'd be quick to, to pause before we say, you know, people aren't paying attention because the numbers say otherwise. So um, talking about the national stuff last night, I was saying, I was watching the results come in from Florida and I feel like, uh, I've lived in Florida. I feel like Florida is a weird hodgepodge of like New York, California, and Alabama, like all kind of rolled into one, all living amongst each other, um, all kind of strangers in a foreign land, you know. But um, for the governor's race and the Senate race, the two big statewide elections there, they um, the 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 margins were tiny in between. I was joking saying how at homecoming uh, for homecoming at high schools across Florida, they're probably getting 49.7% versus 50.3%. So I just want to ask you, I want to hear y'all's perspective. Is that a good thing? Do you, do you hope that one day Alabama would kind of be that, become that toss up, truly purple state or, uh, or what do y'all think about that idea of, of true competitiveness? I will say this. I'm not sitting here crying over the fact that the Republicans got more seats in the Senate, the state Senate and the state house. I'm not, I'm not upset at all. I'm really excited about it. But one thing I do notice about Florida's government is that it's, it's, it seems from the outside looking in that it's more sophisticated than most. And insofar as much, they know how to manage all those different populations and, and, Really, it's kind of neat to watch from afar. I don't know if I would want to have that in Alabama because I'm not upset at, at the current state of affairs. I think the Republican Party has a really great opportunity to do really great things over the next four to eight to 12 years, uh, however long this lasts, because, I mean, just as, just as quick as, as we gained our, our prominence, we can lose it like the Democrats did in 10. I mean, it, it came like a thief in the night. But I will say, looking outside in at Florida's races, even Georgia's governor's race, um, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. And, and really, we can take note and learn. It's kind of what we discussed earlier. These counties, these, these precincts that are more purple, um, that were winning at 64 instead of 80-20, we can learn from Florida. We can, I mean, maybe not DeSantis, but we can learn from candidates in Florida, like Marco Rubio and, and others like him, who know how to talk to more than just your standard traditional Republican voter who's a, a white above the age of 50 and did, went to community college instead of a doctoral program. I mean, you, you got to have a candidate that can talk to all types of folks. And, and looking to Florida as a learning tool, I think, I think we can – we can use case study in Florida to figure out how they flip those more purple districts and how we can be more effective as Republicans in Jefferson County, in Mobile, in Madison County, if it ever turns further to the left. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But as of now, like I said, I'm not losing sleep over it, but the Republicans are really powerful in our state. I think they will be for some time, and I'm not crying about it. That's my thoughts. So let's not worry about the uh, the Senate election 
in a, in a couple of years, but let's jump forward to 2022. Cause we all remember back in 2014 when we were talking about how um, Mike Hubbard or Luther Strange is going to be the next governor of Alabama. All right. So right now placing, you know, your wild bets, who is going to be the next governor or lieutenant governor of Alabama? Well, all right. Before I answer that question, keep in mind that six years ago, we were trying to decide whether or not it was going to be Luther Strange or Mike Hubbard winning yesterday. A lot can happen. That's the crazy thing is, is, is we're dealing with a, a political climate now that's so unpredictable, and it has been for a while. Um, I mean, you're talking about, I can remember when Michael and I were at Auburn and we were sitting um, at the student center and talking about, oh, well, yeah, surely Mike Hubbard or Luther Strange will run for governor. And they kind of had this, you know, back and forth. You could tell there was something going on there. Turns out there was way more going on than we knew at the time. And so, I think I think we got to be careful when we sit here and say, "Oh, well, this is what's going to happen," because the moment you speak that into existence, the complete opposite probably will. So, um, you know, I think I think uh, you could look at the statewide offices, and I think I think it's not a stretch to say it'll be somebody from North Alabama. I know I'm a big fan of North Alabama. I live up here now. Um, my whole family lives up here. I'm, I'm from Huntsville. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that trend keeps trending to more power in North Alabama. Um, I don't, I, I think Mobile's going to go further blue. I think Jefferson County will do what it's doing now. And I think Huntsville will probably, um, continue to put out numbers for conservative candidates like they did in the primary for Will Ainsworth. And in the general election last night for Will Ainsworth. So there's always John Merrill. Um, Steve Marshall is probably going to be in play at some point if he um, decides to ever leave the prosecutor role. Uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of players in the game. Dale Marsh, Twinkle, Twinkle Cavanaugh, she's still the president of the PSC. So she's still going to be around too. So you never know what's going to happen. That's what I Collier, we got to do a better job of, of getting some some Birmingham representation there, like down, you know, better representation down in Montgomery. I mean, it's the it's the cultural and economic center of the state. Yeah, I mean, like, what are we doing, Collier? Great candidates <laughs> in Birmingham, and and I'll piggyback off that too. I am determined to get more women running in Alabama. I'm really excited about Governor Ivy and. Um, the precedent, the trailblazing precedent she has, she has made on our state. Um, but we've got to get more women at the table where decisions are made because too many bills go through the legislature and you can just tell that a woman's perspective was not at the table. And, you know, that's no fault of the, of the men that are around the table because they're not women. So how can they give women's perspectives? Um, but we have got, we have got to make sure that we um, are able to, really support women in their ability to um, to run for office and succeed. Well, guys, we've touched on a lot of things. We've discussed local elections. We've discussed statewide elections. We've discussed 
Um, a few things that we didn't get to talk about. Um, we didn't talk about Joe Eagleman in his race. He lost uh, pretty handedly. I thought he would pick up a little bit more. Um, very popular with the young women in Jefferson County, my friend Joe Spiegelman. Um, we're really excited um, for the future of our state. Thank you for being with us tonight. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and give us a link on our email if you want to, youngalabama.com. Thanks. Four Eagle.